0: Thank you so much for being here this morning. And uh, I don't know if any of you are going to be going to the big service over at the the new stadium. But uh, those who are going, I want to say thank you for coming here first. And uh, this morning, I hope that God will really speak to your heart. We're talking about serving. And you may have noticed when you came through those doors this morning, a great big sign on the wall that said, help. And then a small little word that says, sign up to serve. What you need to understand today is that serving is what being a Christian is all about. Last week, you would have heard in the message that Jesus said, if you want to be blessed, then you need to serve. Blessing, call it happiness, whatever you want to call it. In order to be happy, in order to be blessed, you need to serve. And I'm going to tell you this today. I, I can't twist anybody's arm, and I can't live the Christian life for you. I would if I could. But uh, what I can do is I can equip you. I can help you. I can give you an opportunity to serve. I can, be, I can help you be a steward of the resources that God has given to you. We have sitting here today a good number of people with all kinds of talents, all kinds of ability. And God wants to use that. The question is this this morning. Are you prepared and are you willing to do that? Last week, we handed out some simple little forms like this. And basically, it's a whole list of, of opportunities and places where you can serve. Do you know that it takes about 100 people, just under 100 people, I think Taryn uh, figured out some maybe a year ago, about 80-something people, to make the Sunday morning experience happen? A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that you, know, you come to a service like this. You see these great video clips. You see a great skit like this or a sketch. Pardon me, Mark. Mark doesn't like when I call it a skit. Sketch. Uh, when we have a great sketch like this and the music and musicians, there's practicing going on. There's prep, preparing. Um, I'm going to let you in a little secret. It was Andrew and Jesse were here till after midnight last night, uh, working on videos, making sure that it was all working just right. People willing to serve. People willing to do whatever it takes. Now, I want to to encourage you to recognize that happiness and blessing comes from serving. But I'm going to encourage you to sign up to be happy because that's really what this is all about. Sign up to be happy. Sign up to be blessed. Sign up to receive from God what he wants to give you. A lot of people... Go through life, thinking that life is all about me it 's all about what I can get, all about what I want to do, all about me. This is the worldview of our world it 's all about what can I get, what can i what can I gain, what can I do for me? We had a, a garage sale yesterday at our place and I'm going to tell you, I, don't, I hate garage sales. I, and I wasn't even there working at it. It was my kids, and they were telling me stories. And I, just, I was just I was so upset at the way that people were treating my kids coming onto my property. Um, I was uh, actually in my bedroom looking down onto the parking lot, and I could actually just see the table full of uh, baking that was there. And I was watching people coming up and just squeezing it like that. And I wanted to open the window and say, get your hands off that baking. <laughs> but, of course, I didn't. People are all about me, all about what I can get, all about what I can have, all about making me happy. And by the way, if there's somebody here today that got my baseball glove for a buck, my new baseball glove for a buck, I'll give you 20 if I could have it back. <laughs> Somebody came to the garage sale yesterday and asked Nicholas, hey, what, what do you want for that, gra- for that, uh, for that catcher's net?" And uh, Nicholas said, I don't know, buck? <laughs> so the guy got a great big grin on his face, handed over his loon, and got himself a $60 baseball glove. So, yeah, uh, we had a lot of talk about that at our house yesterday. <laughs> and... Um, I said, man, all the, all the money you made at this garage sale is going to have to go towards buying me a new baseball glove. <laughs> People are very self-centered, folks. You know that. Now, here's the thing that makes us different from those who don't know Christ and don't walk with Christ. And by the way, this is not to brag, and this is not to draw a line in the sand, but it's for you to understand what makes you different. What makes you and I different is that God has called us to serve. This church is driven by God, but it's fueled by volunteers. It's fueled by people who are willing to say, Hear my, use me. Back about 20 years ago in the city of New York, there's a young woman by the name of Kitty Genovese. She was slowly and brutally murdered over a period of about 90 minutes. While she was being attacked, she was screaming out for help. And 38 neighbors looked on at this, as this woman screamed and asked for help as she was attacked by this, this murderer. At one point during the 90-minute attack, he thought that the police were coming, and so he actually ran away. And when he realized that the police were not coming, he ran back to finish the job. And after 90 minutes of stabbing and beatings, Kitty finally died. Now, as shocking as this murder was, equally as shocking are the implications that 38 people stood by and did nothing. This this was so shocking that two young uh, psychologists by the name of Darley and Latane, they set out to do a study to find out why is it that people do nothing? Why is it that people just stand back and and don't enter in to help? Well, they began the study, and in essence, they concluded um, that responsibility is diffused when there are a lot of people around, and so nobody does anything. In other words, if more than one person's responsible, then no one's responsible. We call this the bystander effect. Now, over at the other church on Elgin, when we were just a small handful of people, we had almost every single person who attended the church involved somehow, some way. Now there's some people who refuse to get involved. They just never will get involved. They will never serve. They'll never do anything ever. I can't. There's nothing I can do about that. But as the church began to grow, we started to notice that there those who were involved before thought, you know what? There's lots of people around here, so you know I think I'm going to just take it easy. I'm going to let somebody else take care of things. So here's what these two young psychologists discovered. They discovered that. if there's one bystander present during an attack or where there was a need, it doesn't have to be an attack, but any kind of need, there's an 85% chance that that bystander will offer help. If there are two bystanders bystanders, bystanders there, then the, the, the number drops to only 62%. If there are five or more people, then the offer of help is decreased to 31%. Of these 38 people, not one of them picked up a phone to call the police. Not one of them tried to intervene. Now, here's the thing, folks. Any one of those 38 neighbors could have been a hero. All they had to do was pick up the phone and ask for help. Any one of those people could have saved a life. All they had to do was call the police because it took 90 minutes to finish poor Kitty off. Now, I'm going to ask you the question today, Are you one of those bystanders who say, you know what, I see everybody else working, so I think I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna take it easy. What they say about bigger churches, they say that bigger churches are round churches, because in a round church you can't get cornered. You can't be cornered to serve. You can just sort of slide in and slide out, and nobody will notice you. It's true. When you're 16 people in a congregation, then basically you, you, you can't attend that church and not serve somewhere because you will be noticed. You'll be like the girl sitting on the chair and uh, and have have the question asked. What are you doing? I'm going to throw that question at you this morning, since you're all sitting in chairs. What are you doing? How are you serving? Where are you helping out? Are you making a difference? Any one of those 38 could have been a hero. Any one of those 38 could have stepped in and for Kitty have been a miracle. This is the power of serving. This is the power of volunteering, of showing up to make a difference. You actually become a miracle for somebody. Did you know that? That person is praying and asking for help and suddenly you show up to serve. You can make a difference. Your life can not only be blessed and happy, as we found out last week, but your life can actually take on significance. You can actually do something and achieve something great. In fact, here's what you need to know. The only way that you will ever experience a sense of significance in your life, the only way that you will ever experience a sense of greatness in your life, is through Serving. Nothing great and nothing significant ever happens unless somebody says, Pick me. I'm willing to serve. Significance, greatness is always, ready for this? It's always the fruit of serving. The Apostle Paul, who is considered one of the greatest Christians who has ever lived, and some would say uh, second only to Jesus Christ in terms of his significance in the Christian church. Here's what he said. He was, uh, he was actually preparing to go to Jerusalem, and he was doing a farewell tour, so to speak, and he wanted to gather together the, some of the elders of the church in Ephesus, and here's what we read here. Can you put that up? When, they, when the elders of the church in Ephesus arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served, read that with me, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested. Okay, uh, we won't get into the plot to the Jews this morning, um, that's, uh, that's uh, another story. But I want, us just, I want us to focus in on the serving. Paul, the apostle, became significant. Became the greatest believer, if you will. The greatest contributor to Christianity after Christ. He became the greatest Christian through serving. It was his service that made the difference. Now... I'm going to tell you this. I do. I've been in the ministry now. It's hard to believe this. I've been in the ministry this year for 20 years, or for 30 years. Pardon me. For 30 years, I've been pastoring. 30 years, I've been preaching and teaching. Uh, 30 years, I've been doing uh, weddings. I um, I was uh, recently talking to somebody. It just they heard me talking to someone else, and they said, "Hey, well, you do you do weddings?" I said, "Yes." I do do weddings. Oh, that's neat. And then I said, and I also do funerals. And uh, they kind of looked at me strangely, not sure exactly how to take that. But I said, do you understand that I'm in the business of dealing with people in their life from beginning to end? And I'm in the business of helping people have a great life. I'm in the business of teaching and equipping people to experience and know a great life. That's why I'm here. That's what I do what I do. It's because I want to help you achieve greatness in your life. Now, just talking about these funerals for a moment, let me tell you this about funerals. Some of them are very, very difficult to do, and some of them are just a pure joy in the sense that the person that I have the privilege of, of, um, of celebrating is a person who's lived an unselfish life. They have served their, their, their spouse, their husband, their wife. They've served their children. They have served their grandchildren. They've served their workmates. They've served their friends. And everybody comes together with wonderful stories and celebrates the greatness of this person's life. Now, here's what I have discovered over 30 years of doing funerals. is that At the funeral, we never, ever talk about how much money that person left in their bank account. We never talked about what kind of a car they drove. We never talked about how many possessions they had or how big their house was or how many houses they had. The only thing we talk about is their relationship to other people and what that relationship was all about. The ones that are loved and missed the most, friends, are the ones who were the most faithful in serving others. What are people going to say about you when you're gone? What would people think about your life? Well, here's what you need to know about the Apostle Paul. Called to serve God, called to serve and establish churches throughout the world, God took this man as he was. Now, here's what you need to know about the Apostle Paul, and a lot of people don't know this, but he was, in fact, one of the greatest persecutors of the church. In fact, he traveled around destroying churches. In fact, one of the very first... Uh, episodes of persecution we discover in the book of Acts is actually the stoning. I don't, I don't mean this kind of, st- not, not that. I mean with real stones. Uh, stoning of the elder Stephen. And, uh, and who is it that's overseeing all of this? None other than the apostle Paul, who at that time was called Saul. Now listen to this, God gets a hold of Saul's life, and not only does does God change Saul's mind, but he also changes Saul's name. Saul becomes Paul, the very one that we call the Apostle Paul. And God says, I can use this man. Now, the Apostle Paul actually gives us his resume in in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 to 6. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day, Jewish, um, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, we're talking, this guy is top notch here. He's, he's a, a Pharisee, not many people rise to that level of, of, of leadership amongst the Jewish people, but he was. He was zealous. In other words, he, he fought for the Jewish faith. And he says of legalistic righteousness, he was absolutely faultless. In other words, this guy never broke one of the laws in the Old Testament. That is, this, is his, this is his resume. This is his pedigree. And to make things even better, it says that he is of an elite citizenship. He is none other than a citizen of Rome. Now, here's what you need to know. I mean, I can't get it. I love to unpack that, but I don't have time to do that this morning. But I'm gonna tell you, this man is exceptional in terms of his qualities, in terms of his, his resume. Not many people can call themselves a citizen of Rome, but he was, he was a wealthy man, very gifted. And God says this to Paul. Paul, I wanna use you And Paul said, you know what, God, I don't know how you can do this because I am the chief of sinners. Yes, that's what he said about himself. I'm the worst. There's nobody as bad as me. And not only that, God, but, I mean, I persecuted the church. I mean, God, there's no way that you can use me. Now, here's the wonderful news, everybody. You ready for this? When you sign up to serve, when you sign up and give your life to Christ, God takes whoever you are, whatever you have, Whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents, whatever your hobbies, whatever your interests, wherever you live, God takes all of that and he uses it for his great and glorious purposes. My friends, this is how you and I find significance in this life, is by saying, God, here's what I have, take it and use it for your purposes. Now here's the thing about the Apostle Paul. Is once he was once he had this encounter with Jesus Christ, once he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, all the things that the rest of the world would look at and say, Wow, this guy Paul, he is amazing. Look at his look at look at look at all his achievements. Look at who he is, look at what he has. You know what the Apostle Paul says? He says he counts all of that as horse dung compared to the greatness, the surpassing greatness of knowing and serving Jesus. I'm going to tell you, folks, this is how I know somebody is truly converted. This is how I know somebody has truly surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. When they can say that all that I have and all that I am is nothing compared to the greatness, the privilege, the honor of serving Jesus Christ, that's when I know that that person has been truly touched by God, has been truly converted. Now, if you look at the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee. God took took his pharisaical training. And what what does God do with it? God makes him into a leader of the church. Whereas he was a leader of the Jewish people, now he becomes a leader of the Christian church on a mission to plant churches around the world. It's amazing what God will do. Think of your past. Think of what you've been through. God wants to take that and use that for his purposes. He was an immigrant from Tarsus. That's Turkey. And what does God do? Well, because this guy can speak multiple languages, now he becomes the perfect missionary able to travel around the world and preach the gospel. What else do we find out about the Apostle Paul? Well, we find that because he was a Pharisee, one of the things that Pharisees had to do is they had to actually have a trade to support themselves. So he was actually a tent maker. Guess what, folks? Folks. God uses his tent-making ability so that the Apostle Paul can actually support himself as he travels around the world preaching the gospel. We discover also that he is educated by Gamaliel, who's one of the great rabbis, the greatest, some would say. And because he was trained by this great rabbi, this great teacher, the Apostle Paul goes on to write at least 13 books in the New Testament making a significant impact on us even to this day, 2,000 years later. Why? Because a man said, here, my God, I want to be used by you. Use me. And God says, I'm going to take whatever you are, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, and I'm going to use it for my purposes. But you have to sign up to serve. You've got to say, God, here am I. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to be used by you. Here's what you need to know today. Serving God is not that difficult to figure out. Serving God just takes someone who will say, here I am, God, use what I have. Rick Warren, some of you may know him. He's a pastor of one of the biggest churches in North America. What he says, he says, I believe that, that God uses us, it, the, the greatest way God uses us is God takes whatever our weakness is, whatever our struggle in life is, whatever our problem is, God takes and uses that to make a difference in somebody else's life. So that thing that that you're struggling with, that problem that you have, that shameful past that you have, that struggle that you have, guess what, folks? God wants to and can take that, and he can use that to bring glory to his name. He can use you to bless and help others who also have that struggle. A lot of people don't realize that. God wants to take whatever you have. We have a few electricians in this church. This past uh, week, Scott Duick has been in here, I think, almost every evening, redoing wires and removing wires. And, I mean, I look at it, and it looks like spaghetti. I don't know, like, it's just a mess. But he looks at it, he can figure it all out, knows what everything's for. Absolutely Amazing. God takes and uses his skill, his talent, his trade, and uses it for his glory and honor. Some of you may have come in here this morning and noticed that there's a sound booth missing. There was a great big team of people here yesterday using their skills and their talents. People who are saying, here my use me, showed up to take out that sound booth. And that was all prepared in advance. All the wires were taken out of there by Scotty. Amazing. One day, my dad was over here. There's a door going in here. There's wires going right, right across the path. I called Dan up and said, Dan, uh, I need help like right now. Can you come? And he dropped what he was doing. He came over here. and he, Another electrician rewired that so that we could put a doorway in there. God takes and uses whatever your skills are, whatever your talents are. And God uses that for his glory and for his honor. What are, your, what are your interests? What are your hobbies? What is, what is your past? What, what kind of struggles have you faced? God wants to take all of that and use that. In fact, here's the neat thing, guys, is that God will bring significance to your life and will actually produce miracles through you when you bring to him all that you have and all that you are and say, God, here it is. Take it. Use it for your purposes. Are you ready to do that? God loves you and wants you to have not just a happy and blessed life, but he wants you to have a significant life. And that's why we're asking you to take one of these papers and fill it in. Leonard Miguel called me this past week. He said, Pastor, I just want you to know that um, i like to help. And I think that Leonard checked off uh, groundskeeping and also uh, greeting. Now, what a lot of you don't know is that Leonard is retired and think he's he's coming up to 90 years old, but he's ready to serve, ready to do his thing. I don't know about you, but Leonard's sitting here, I think he deserves a hand for that. That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Thank you, Leonard. That's for you. That's an inspiration to me. I was so touched by that, so moved by that. He's saying I can still walk, I can still move, I can still smile. I can be used by God. No. In order to be a servant, what you need to understand is this. The Apostle Paul here, in verse 18, he says, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia. What did he do? I served the Lord. This is is what you need to understand about serving. It is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do once a week or once in a while. It actually permeates every aspect of your life. So that you become a servant as a father, a servant as a mother, a servant as a child, a servant at work, a servant to your neighbors. But it becomes a lifestyle. It's how you live your life. One day, I was sitting in my, Actually, uh, actually, was getting ready for bed, and all of a sudden, I heard this horrible screaming outside our front door, screaming, just terrible screaming. And um, and then suddenly, I heard my name being called. And I thought someone, I thought for sure there was, you know, a major fight, and someone was going to be stabbed or murdered or something. I went running outside to find out what it was, and uh, it was my neighbors were having a fight. So the neighbors directly to our left. I faced the house that's on the right side, Filipino family. Um, and then beside them, a family of immigrants from another country. And um, they were fighting over a fence. And the fight over the fence was, well, the one family bought, bought materials and wanted to share the, the cost of the fence. And the family that bought the materials now was coming to collect from my Filipino neighbors who were, who were right next door. And the, my Filipino neighbor looked at the calculations and discovered that they were wrong. And so he did not want to pay that amount. And he, in his broken English, was trying to explain to this other family from another country that it was wrong. So actually, when I think about it now, it's actually kind of comical. But at the time, it was horrible. And they're screaming, and we're threatening. And, and you know, it was not a pretty sight. So they, knowing I'm a pastor, said, can you help? And my first reaction was, oh, no, God, no, I don't want to do this. But guess what? I went in there, I began to figure it out, and sure enough, the Filipino family was right. The calculation was wrong. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I did, because I don't want to pat myself on the back, but suffice it to say this. I served these people who actually called on me, called my name to come and help them. I served these people, and we got the thing resolved. And after that, I was a hero to my Filipino neighbors and also to the other neighbors. And all I did was serve. Now, here's what you need to know. There's a whole world out there If they know you're a believer, if they know you're a Christian, there's a whole world out there that's watching you. And they're listening to you. They're watching your attitude. They're watching your reactions. They're watching what you say. They're watching what you do. And if you're calling yourself a believer, guess what, folks? You may not know this, but they know this. People who do not profess to be Christians, they know this about Christians. Christians are supposed to be different. Now, they can't tell you, they can't give you a point by point, exhaustive list, detailed list of all the differences, but they know one, they know a Christian when they see one, right? And a lot of people will say the reason I don't go to church is because Christian, but church is full of hypocrites. Well, you've heard that, you know about that. What, my friends, is going to be the greatest testimony to people who don't know Christ, I'll tell you what, I tell you what you need to do, is that you need to adopt the servant lifestyle. It's actually an attitude, where you're willing and prepared to do whatever it takes to serve the people in your life. Here's what Paul, here's what, here's what the writer of Acts says, that word "served" actually is actually Slave. You are now a slave of Jesus Christ. And this means that whatever you're doing, it's a, it's a life sentence. It's a li- serving is a life sentence. But guess what else you need to know? You need to know that selfishness is also a life sentence. And I can tell you this, selfishness, although at first is far more appealing than being a slave of Jesus Christ, here's what I know for sure. Self-centeredness, selfishness will leave you very lonely and very cold and very unfulfilled and very unhappy at the end of the day. You might get what you want and have what you want and do what you want, but you'll never be happy. You'll always be lonely. You'll never feel that your life has significance. This is our job as a church, is to teach people how to have a a great life, how to have a significant life, how to have a blessed life. I'm gonna tell you this. You may not agree with this, but I'm telling you that the way to have happiness, the way to have significance is to sign up to serve, to do whatever it takes to make a difference in the lives of others. And here's what else I know. You ready for this? You want to advance in your job? You want things to go well at your job? You want to do better? Be a servant. You want things to go well in your marriage? I've said this many times. The only fight that a husband and wife should have is over who gets to serve whom. Is that the kind of fight you have? The only, the only thing that you and I need to understand is that God's called us to serve one another. There's a former astronaut who, became, who was asked to be the president of a, an airline company. And one of the very first things that he did as the new president of the company is he went and did a tour of the of the operation. And uh, he, he was determined to change the... Um, the reputation of this airline. He wanted this airline to be known as an airline where if you, if you use their services, you are going to get the best service ever. And how many know it starts from the top down? And so this new president, new CEO, moves in and he's now cleaning house. He walks through a particular department and notices that one of the employees has got his feet up on the desk and he's just sitting there. It's having lunch. The phone's ringing, and it's ringing, and it's ringing. The CEO just sort of steps back and just watches to see what's going to happen. Phone rings and rings and rings and rings, and, and he refuses to pick it up. The CEO walks over to the employee and says, why, did you, why didn't you pick up the phone? Well, it's lunchtime. And besides of which, sir, this is not my department. Now, he does not know that this is the CEO. He says, My I, I work in a different department. Um, uh, I'm in I work in maintenance. And the CEO said, Not anymore, you don't. It's over. He sent the message to that whole to that whole employee force, and that I mean, I'll tell you that story traveled throughout the workforce. From now on, we're gonna be known as a company that serves its customers. Now guess what? The business world knows that the way that they're going to make money, the way that they're going to advance, the way that they're going to they're actually be prosperous and happy and significant is by serving. Now listen, if the workforce and the work world understands this concept, why does it take so long for us as believers, as people who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, why does it take us so long to get this? It's not just the church that prospers when we are when we are truly servants, but your marriage prospers. Your friendships prosper. You prosper at your job. Nobody was ever fired for being a great servant at work. But I can tell you this: there's people fired every day for refusing to serve. The advice I'm giving you today, friends, is not just for your own peace of mind, your own sense of significance and happiness, but it could actually save your job. It'll make a huge difference. It'll save your marriage. It'll save your relationship with your kids. Your job, first and foremost, is to serve your kids. Did you know that? And I'm going to tell you, that is a life sentence. That's right. When you became a parent... We just, baby dedicated, we just dedicated little Theo the other day. I'm just looking over here at the Regulas. The life sentence that's on you now. You have a little break. The kid's in the nursery having a bit of a break right now, but that baby's going to be waiting for you when we're done here. And you're going to have to go back to serving that little baby and taking good care of him and helping him and loving him and caring for him for the rest of his life. And you wouldn't have it any other way because you love him. I'm going to tell you this today. The one who understands the principle of serving is the one who has the most significant and the greatest life. It's a lifestyle. And not only is it a lifestyle, but it's, it's a lifestyle that needs to be lived with humility. That's what, that's what Paul says here. I serve the Lord with what? With great Humility. Jesus was walking along with the disciples one day, and they were, a fight broke out. This is great. And the fight was about who is going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus is looking at these, at these 12 who are having a fight over which of the 12 is going to be the greatest. And they're looking to him now. They want to know, well, Jesus, who is it going to be? Who do you think is going to be the greatest? And Jesus refuses to answer the question. Instead, you know what he does? He's walking along, he sees a little child, he gets a hold of that little child, and he, st- and he stood the little child amongst his 12. And he said, uh, I see this little one. This is the one who is the greatest. And in order for you to be great in the kingdom, in order for you to achieve greatness, you've got to become like this little child, humble not pushing your own agenda, not putting your own interests first. Parents, get this, it's really important because you are going to be constantly challenged with this. You, you, put, you don't put your interests first, you put your kid's interests first. Your kid's suffering, your kid's struggling, you, you find out what's wrong and you try to fix it. Your kid is your responsibility and folks, listen to me, your job is to serve your children. Husbands and wives, it's your job to serve each other. Not in pride, not in arrogance, but in humility. My grandmother was never really happy about me becoming a pastor. And uh, she would have been happy if I was a doctor, a lawyer, um, a dentist. Uh, Any of those would have been fine. Um, But not a pastor. And I'm going t- to tell you this. Uh, she used to razz me all the time about that and, and make fun of my, my, my faith, make fun of my calling. And she said to me one day, Alan, you know what? Why don't you just be a shoe salesman at Eaton's? Surely that would be more respectful or respectable. And I, I said, Grandma, I, I feel called that this is what God wants me to do. I've, eventually she got used to the idea and she stopped bugging me about it. But I made a decision. I made a decision. I could either get offended and hurt and never ever talk to her again, or I could do what Jesus called me to do, and I could be resolved to serve her. And that's what I did. I served my grandma. I took her for groceries. I took her for coffee. I took her for lunch on a weekly basis, sometimes two and three times a week. Took her to the doctor. Took to, take her shopping. And Grandma always liked to shop and buy things, bring it home, and then call me up and say, I want to take it all back. That happened over and over again. And that was okay. It was, a, it was an excuse to get me over to see her. I sat there uh, having tea with her, took her out over and over. I, I, I cut her grass. I painted her fence. I, I scraped the old paint off. I put new paint on, did the garage, on and on and on and on. Even though I would get the insults because I'm a pastor. Want to know something? When my grandmother was on her, really in her last days, on her deathbed, I had the privilege and honor of being able to lead her to Jesus Christ. I had the privilege of being able to introduce her to the Lord so that when she would pass from this earth, she would pass into the presence of Jesus. I could never have done that. If my pride got in the way of serving. Now, I want to ask you a question today because I know here today that some of you are being faced with some very big challenges, some very big struggles. And Jesus, by his spirit, is saying to you, you need to swallow your pride and you need to serve those people, that person in your life, even though they don't deserve it. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. With great humility, you serve. Now, I'm going to tell you this about humility. Humility does not mean you think less of yourself than you do of others, nor does it mean having a low opinion of yourself. It just means you don't think of yourself at all. It means you put others first. The Apostle Paul served the Lord as a lifestyle with great humility and with all his heart. He says, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears tears. Although I was severely tested, I'm going to tell you: you you are constantly going to be tested. You're going to t- constantly face struggles. And what determines what kind of faith you have is how you deal with it. Because you can get angry, you can look for revenge, you can look to get even, you're going you to teach everybody a lesson. I'm going to I'm going to really sock it to them. Or you can have the heart of Paul. And say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to love and bless the people in my life. You're gonna say, It's not about me, it's about the people that God has put in my life to care for. What's Paul's secret? I'll tell you what it is. He was serving the Lord, he did it unto the Lord. I'm gonna tell you, I've been pastoring here now. Believe this, next year it'll be 20 years in this church. 20 years. And I wish I could say that every single day and every single year has just been a piece of cake and it's been easy, but it hasn't. There's been some tough times. There's been times when I wanted to walk away from it all. There's, there's a time when I had a, a resignation letter in a file on my computer. All I had to do was push print and it's all over. But I never, allow, I never felt God giving me the permission or allowing me to do that. Rather, God was calling me to serve this church, sometimes with tears and sometimes with with severe testing and i'm going to tell you this i thank god for the grace and the strength that he's given to me to serve this church and i can tell you this that because god's given me the grace to serve this church i've been blessed my kids are all involved in church here. They all love the Lord. They've got no bad attitudes towards the church or towards anybody in the church. They love to serve here. Gloria loves to serve here. I love to serve here. My family's happy because we are here serving. It never was about me. It's never been about my kids. But it's been about you, about having the privilege of serving you. Now I'm telling you to say this. There's people in your life right now who are testing you severely and you've been crying lately because the testing has been so severe. And what the Spirit of God is saying to you right now is it's time for you to cut some slack. It's time for you to humble yourself and through the tears and through the severe testing to love and embrace, forgive, and serve the one in your life who in your opinion is not worthy of it. The reason you do this is not because they deserve it. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. Think of what Jesus has forgiven you. Think of what Jesus has done for you. Think of how Jesus has served you. Can you do less? Shame on you if you think... That you can get away with doing less. I'm going to tell you you'll never be able to do what Jesus has done for you. So I, I call you, by God's grace and in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to go and love and serve the people in your life, no matter how difficult, no matter how, how hard it is, no matter how severe the testing, no matter how many tears, I call you in Jesus' name to go and serve. Make a difference. I call you in Jesus' name to serve the people of Africa. Sign up to serve. Sign up to go to Costa Rica. Sign up to go to Burundi. Sign up for the mission, next missions trip. Sign up to help us around the building. Sign up to, to teach Sunday school. Sign up to, to be in youth. Sign up to help with making video clips. Sign up to help. And your life will become a miracle. I want to close with this. Some of you may or may not have heard of Mother Teresa. I think that if you haven't heard of Mother Teresa, you've been living under a rock somewhere. Mother Teresa went to India in 1929. And for 68 years, she did the thing that she wanted to do more than anything else, and that was to serve the poor. While she was there, after about 10 or 15 years, she decided that serving the poor was not really her thing. She felt that that there was something better than serving the poor and uh, here's what she decided to do she decided that she would serve the poorest of the poor not just the poor she decided that she in the name of Jesus needed to go and care for the very poorest of the poor and so she started her own fellowship of servants you and I know them as nuns but they're servants there to care for the poorest of the poor. Were other monasteries and nunneries We're having a difficult time getting nuns to, young ladies to sign up to serve? She had no problem. She has today over 4,500 4, nuns serving in 133 countries around the world. People who really understand the call of Jesus Christ to go and serve and do something significant. 4,500 nuns who feel the call to go and be a miracle to somebody. Mother Teresa died in 1997. It's the same week that, that Princess Diana died. Most people don't remember that because, well, Princess Diana was a socialite, a megastar. And there was a little Mother Teresa. She had no money. She had no wealth. She had no great talents. Uh, She certainly wasn't anything to look at. Leathery skin. But she had a desire and a hunger to make a difference in people's lives. And she knew that she, there's one thing that she could do, and she could do well, and that is serve. Now, it's interesting that because of her willingness to simply do what Jesus Christ has called us to do, because of her willingness to just do what Jesus told all of us to do, for that, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for being a Christian. Imagine being given the Nobel Peace Prize for being a Christian. But her work was so significant and caught the imagination of so many people that she couldn't go unnoticed. She was invited to come to the United States to meet the president. At that time, it was Bill Clinton. And Bill Clinton, as you know, was going through a bit of a rough time then. And so he invited her to the White House, and I'm sure thinking that this could only help him politically, he invited her to speak to the Congress Of the United States. Now, that was a big mistake. This fierce little nun, whose life was committed to helping the poorest and the defenseless, was asked to speak to the Congress of the United States. She stood up in front of all those congressmen, barely able to see above the lectern, and she began to point her finger in the faces. Of those congressmen and began to lecture them on behalf of the poorest, of the poor, and the defenseless. And she said to them, Shame on you for allowing abortion to fill this country. She said, God has called me to care for the defenseless, the poor, those who can't help themselves. She said, Give me your unwanted children. I'll take care of them. For that, she became a hero, a giant. And I'll let you know today one of my heroes, one of my greatest heroes. You know, you can be a hero. You can do something great and something significant. All you have to do is show up and be a miracle for somebody. All you have to do is show up to serve. All you have to do is say, God, here am I. use me. You don't have to be beautiful. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have great clothes. You don't have to have great talents. All you have to do is be willing to say, God, here am I. I'm ready to serve. If you're ready to serve, willing to serve, your life can have fantastic significance, great significance. And you can change someone's life. You can be a miracle for somebody. Would you stand with me, please? Make sure that if you got one of those, you fill it in and hand it in. And we're going to begin to process them. and we will try to find a place for you to serve. Listen, this makes a lot of work for us. But we, here's, what, here's what you need to know. This is our job. Our job is to equip you and help you find your place of service. And I'm going to tell you today, you are needed. Father, as we go from this place now, we pray that you would put your hand upon us and give us the grace, the strength that we need to be servants. Help us to forgive those people in our lives that we feel are not worthy of our service. Help us, oh God, we pray. To be people full of grace, full of love and compassion, willing to show up to serve wherever there's a need. Thank you, God, for the people who serve me. Thank you, God, for the people who invested in my life. Thank you for the people who never got weary of me. Thank you for those who, even though they were weary with me, they loved me anyway. Thank you, God, for your compassion and kindness to me. Thank you, God, for your willingness to serve me. Help me, oh God, I pray. Help us to serve those in our lives with distinction. We pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Tell the person beside you, go serve.